Welcome to Your Time, Your Money. Matt Tarullo here with the Esley Group. Really excited to bring it with you. I uh, got some pretty cool stuff today and uh, really excited to talk about it. We've had some, some growing viewership in the last uh, three to six months. And um, today we get to do some like cool questions we've gotten that people have written in after they've watched the episodes. Um, so don't forget to like and subscribe, uh, yourtimeyourmoney.net for your net worth. And uh, obviously, you can always call us at uh, 844-444-YTYM. Uh, you know, the magical Matthew Byers is behind the camera today. How are we doing, guys? And he's going to be, uh, you know, basically asking some of the questions that we've gotten from uh, people on the outside, some clients, some prospects, some people we uh, we just get some, some random questions from, which is great. And, uh, you know, we try to answer those questions to the best of our ability. Sometimes we got to bring in a, a specialist, you know, like a CPA or a tax attorney uh, or, or a real estate or, or a state attorney. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, obviously we can't say specialist, but at the end of the day, we were going to bring somebody in that's good in that area to give them some type of answer. So uh, today is all about some basic questions. And hopefully when you watch this, you know, if I stir this question pot in your mind, call in, right? Ask us a question. Again, our goal is to go live at one point, hopefully be on the radio or, you know, maybe do a, a live spot on Facebook Live where people can type in questions and we can try to help a little bit because I feel like that's the most important thing is helping people and, and getting people some valuable information they may or may not know. So Matt Byers, the man behind the microphone, you're up, buddy. What All do we right. got first? So Johnny M., uh, wrote into us and said, if I take money out of my 401k prior to 59 and a half, do I have to pay any taxes or penalties on that money? All right. So Johnny's got a good question. Um, you know, really that's going to depend on three things, right? Number one, are you taking a distribution? Okay. If you take a distribution because your plan allows you to take a pre 59 and a half distribution, which there may not be many out there that do that, but some may, then if you take a full distribution or a partial distribution and you get cash in hand that you don't plan on paying back, yes, you're going to have to pay taxes potentially at the federal and state level, and you're going to have to pay a penalty because you're taking it out before 59 and a half. Now, there are some extenuating circumstances where you can do hardships and there's disability preferences and clause, clauses in, in the contract that you have. But one thing is the critical thing here, Johnny, is you check with your employer before you make any moves. And then on top of that, check with your advisor as well. So yeah, your advisor might be able to find some solutions for you that doesn't involve you having to take money out of your 401k. Um, and for example, a lot of people have been utilizing uh, home equity lines of credit to help mitigate major credit card debt. And I recently had a conversation with someone that had over $50,000 of credit card debt at 22% interest, and they kept doing zero balance transfers. But if you keep doing zero balance transfers, you're never going to pay off your card. So just be weary of that and be mindful of it. It's not always the solution to raid your 401k. So again, call in, we'll, 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 we'll challenge that question together and we'll try to help. But all right, Mr. Byers, what's our next question? All right, next question comes from Kathy J. I just retired and I was wondering if my state pension is taxable at the federal level and state level. Ah, very good question. So this is a common thing that happens. People retire from either a municipality, from the state, from a federal job, and it really depends on, you know, where they retired from. So she's, she's from a state pension, Mr. Byers? 
State pension and also a federal level and state level. So yes. So she's at so but but she retired from the state, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then the the pension would only be federal uh, federally taxable, right? The state's not going to tax the pension. And again, there's extenuating circumstances where people retire from different agencies and and crazy things have happened. Crazier things have happened. So it's never a hundred percent. But again, this is where we're going to utilize the help of a CPA, right? And if we do need a help from a tax professional based on this person's income level or based on this person's need, you know, there might be investments in their portfolio that get taxed at both levels, right? But depending on their age and what they're looking for, uh, really it's about where they retired from and then how that item is potentially taxed. So if it's the state pension, yeah, normally it's not taxed at the state level. Normally it's just taxed at the federal level. Awesome. All right. We have one from Robert S. This is going to be a little bit lengthy, so here we go. Okay. Um, I just bought an income property, and when I rent it, how should I organize the business? Ooh, all right. And how to how do I avoid paying massive capital gains on the property when I sell it down the road? So kind of a twofold question there, obviously. All right, so let's do that. Let's tackle the first part. First one. First, when first I rent part. it, how should I organize the business as an income property? Okay, so so rental property, you know, and this is tough because it depends on how you got the loan, right? If you got the loan as a second property, like an income property, then you're going to want to organize potentially as an LLC because you're going to want to back yourself up and protect yourself from any liability at the property, especially if you're not living there or it's not considered a vacation home or a second home. So, you know, LLC, the pop, putting the property in an LLC and then having insurance on that property obviously makes a lot of sense. Uh, but, you know, the income structure, de- you know, depending on how you organize the home is really going to have to be paid to you or the LLC. And again, it gets tricky there because usually with an LLC, uh, you will get an EIN based on how you organize. But, you know, to put money into a bank account that's not yours becomes tricky because then when you take money out of a bank account that's not yours, you potentially have to pay taxes on it. But when you get money written directly to you as, a, as like a check or cash and you deposit it, you got to track that, right? You got to track those dollars because at the end of the year, you're going to have to show what your income is for the property. But the nice part about having an income property is that you can deduct a lot of stuff, right? You got, you know, you got to repair, you got to upgrade something, you got you to paint something, you got you to gotta take marketing ads out to rent the property. So, you know, it's nice because you get a nice little write-off. And this is actually pretty cool because I didn't know this, but if let's say your income property has zero uh, for the income for the year, uh, or let's say you broke even, or you just came in as a negative, you can't, depending on your tax bracket, you, you usually can't write off that negative against your income. So passive income can't negate your earned income, which I had to learn that the hard way. And this is why we work with a CPA, right? So, so it's make sure again, when it comes to organizing your, your business, you're, you're working with a tax professional because usually they're going to give you the best information. And the tricky part there for that question is that do you own any other properties, right? Do you have a three or four or five other properties that you have in a different LLC or, you know, are they named in your name, right? The other question I'd ask back is, you know, are those properties in your estate? Do you have them beneficiary correctly, right? So just good food for thought. What's the second part? Second part um, would be, how do I avoid paying a massive capital gains on the property when I decide to sell it down the road? Uh, so this is, again, a tough, a tough spot. Um, a, where's the property located? Is it in New York? Is it in a different state? I just had this happen, actually. Someone sold their property in California. They're a resident of New York. 
it was a second property. And guess what? They're paying New York and California taxes, right? That's gonna and they're paying the Fed. Yeah. So it's like a triple whammy. But at the end of the day, again, where the property is located, um, you know, how you sell it and how long you've held it for obviously plays a role. Uh, you know, but honestly, you buy an income property, most of the time you're using that income property as leverage and ultimately you're letting your next generation inherit that property. That's where it becomes very useful because your your next generation is going to get it at a stepped up cost basis if you pass away, just like a stock, right? Like if, if, if I pass away and my son inherits my property, they're going to inherit it at a stepped up cost basis. So if I brought that property for a hundred thousand bucks, and, and then it's worth 400,000 bucks and my son inherits it the day I die. Well, he, inher- he inherits it at its value of 400,000. So he doesn't have as much skin in the game as I had when it comes to tax liability. So a little bit of a tricky pickle, but that's a, that's a good question right Which there. Which brings so. up something as well with that, if I really quickly may. No, sure, jump is in. the fact that making sure that when you have properties or anything else, which you've talked about, Mark's talked about in the past, yeah. Adam, Make sure you have your will, trust, estate, yeah. having your beneficiaries lined up ahead I mean, of time. This so is, this is not a mess at the end. Well, that and that and that's a very true. That's a very accurate and true statement. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that buy properties. They have them in their name. It's a second property, and they're not listed anywhere. They're not in a will. They're not in a trust. They're not in an estate plan. They're not in an LLC. And there's no secondary owner for it. So what happens? That property potentially goes to probate, and then it becomes a bigger problem. So again, just tying those bows and crossing the T's and dotting the I's, utilize a good estate planning attorney. And you know, again, we have an estate planning podcast. Well, it costs too much money. Okay. So let's say I have five income properties and I've spent $2 million on those five properties and the estate planner costs five grand, (laughs) right? Think about that. If I, if I spend 0.05% of my 2 million, it's the cost of what I spent on the properties. Right, so it's it's really worth having someone good at what they do. Another quick question with that as well. If you you had mentioned something about having maybe multiple properties, sure. What's the difference between having multiple properties? Would you have an LLC for each individual property, or do you have one LLC which covers all five properties? This is where I would break it up. And again, CPA use the CPA. I'd break it up into five different LLCs. And the reason for that is that whatever's in the LLC is only affected by what's in that LLC. Right, so if I have property one and somebody passes away because of a fire and a faulty wiring in property one that I didn't do a good job keeping up and all the properties are in that LLC, their family could potentially come after all the properties in that LLC, right? Again, this is why we have insurance, right? This is why we have state code inspections and all that other stuff, right? But at the end of the day, I wanna break them up to to reduce my risk uh, of liability. So, all right, next question, Uh, Jackie R asked, I have two advisors currently, and I'm working on potentially adding a third. Do you think that having three advisors or more is too many? Uh, this is a this is a great question, especially for high net worth individuals or individuals that are in the process of retiring and they're looking for competition. Um, you know, I've met people before, and their first response to me is, "I already have an advisor." That's usually the first response I get from somebody, and my response back to them is, "That's great." I'm not looking to replace that person. I'm looking to add value to your relationship with the world of finance, right? And add some literacy because most times something is missed, right? I try, I pride myself on not missing things, right? Like an estate plan or having a good tax attorney or, or having someone in your corner when it comes to different types of investments or registrations or beneficiaries. 
But at the end of the day, you know, if you have two advisors and, and you want a third, well, then they better have defined roles, right? Because if advisors are competing with each other on the same accounts, it's going to become problematic. There's going to be conflict. You know, there might be one advisor that only does your, your uh, IRAs. And there'll be another advisor that only does your insurance. And then another advisor that only does your income planning, right? And I like the idea of that because now you're getting competition within the advisory group, right? And it doesn't all have to be from the same group. It could be one from, you know, XYZ advisor, one from ABC advisor, and one from, you know, LPQ advisor, right? So it's important that those people compete, especially if you're high net worth. Don't ever rest on your laurels and say, oh yeah, my guy does everything and he's amazing and he's perfect. Or my girl does everything and she's amazing. She's perfect because odds are they may not have seen everything that every advisor has seen out there, right? And it's important that people think that way. So kudos to you, make those people compete and hopefully, you know, you have a better plan for the, for the reason. Beautiful. All right. Last question that we received for this week, uh, Avery T., asked, I run a small business. How often should I see my 401k plan provider? That's part one. Number two, is there someone or some type of plan out there that is more comprehensive? So the first one again, Okay. run a small business. How often should I see my 401k plan provider? Okay. So, you know, when it comes to the provider, right. And this, this is a generic thing. Like a provider is, is like any investment company out there could be a provider right? Fidelity, Vanguard, American funds, right? They could be a provider. So you may never see your provider based on what you picked for your plan. This is why when you do decide to pick a, a plan, you want to pick a planner, not a provider, right? When you work with a fiduciary, an advisor, they're going to help and guide you pick that plan. And this is a, not a knock on anybody out there that's a CPA, your CPA should not also be doing all of the financial planning in your portfolio. There needs to be redundancy, right? You, you, not redundancy. There needs to be uh, compartmentalization of your tax plan and of your financial plan, right? Opposite sides of the same coin. Most times, small business owners, they connect with their CPA and their CPA says, oh, just use Vanguard or, oh, just use Fidelity. That's fine. Use that plan. Well, or use that, use that provider, right? And what happens is that money sits there. They don't get people signed up. They're not utilizing the right contribution. They're not utilizing the right asset allocation, right? And, and again, this is where having both for this particular question, having both a good CPA and a good advisor, that advisor is going to say to you, you should see your 401k planner at least four times a year. They should be coming to the office. They should be dropping off, you know, uh, thank you, you know, thank yous for all the employees that work with them. You know, they should be giving great advice about things outside of the business, talking about holistic stuff like college planning and in life insurance and, and income planning for those retirees, social security planning, Medicare planning, right? That's what a good planner does. Provider's not going to do that. Provider's going to say, here's your options, pick them. Yeah, I know that I can speak for, obviously, you and I have gone to some plans that we've talked to other employees, oh, yeah? small and midsize, and more than three-quarters of the time, when you've gotten there, the first thing that I hear when they talk to you is, they came in, 
said, here you go, pick what you want, and they've never seen them again. Right. And that and, could be three or four years and, you know, with like, things in their 401k happening listen, that they don't know about. It's work, man. It, it's work. You, you got to go in. You're educating people. You're being thoughtful of their plan and what every because every person's different. Not everyone's a cookie cutter, okay? You, you got you to be a little more thoughtful than just say, hey, pick your six options. Here's, here's your choices, right? Sometimes, and I'll, get, and, I'll, and I'll put this out there, and some people may not want to hear it. Sometimes people get lulled to sleep. Even when we come in and they're like, oh, they're just the workplace plan. No, we're not. We do everything. And for those employees who utilize the stuff we do outside the workplace plan, they're in a better spot because of it. So I guess answer to part one, you should see your planner for your workplace plan four times a year minimum. Right? So that, you may have partly answered that question already, but the second part of that is, is there, is there someone or some yeah. type of plan out there that's more comprehensive? Which I think, like you were saying, if they I meet mean, with an advisor, they're meeting about the plan initially, Usually, then they're talking about other things going on. Usually the hedge or the worry for a small business is how much is this going to cost me? Right? I'm a small business. I have a lot of overhead. Cost of goods is up. People aren't shopping as much. Inflation's killing me. The economy's killing me. I can't afford another bill. Right? Well, here's the, great, here's the great part. The great part about it is when you use a comprehensive planner, they're going to find ways to mitigate your costs, but also deliver something that's going to help your employee, right? That could be for a small, medium, or even large business. The lar larger businesses out there, they use the self-directed plans. And most times, you know, without doing a ton of research, people are in tough spots, right? They, they don't have a great allocation or they're, or they're single asset focused, right? They're all in large cap US and, and that's the only thing they're in, right? There's no mid cap or small cap. There's no international. There's no alternative. There's no REIT. There's nothing like that, but they're available, but they're just not picking it because they don't know what it means. So again, that when I, I only say that from experience where I look at somebody's portfolio and then they say, oh, can you check out my husband's? And I look at their husbands and I'm like, oh, wow, like this is really isolated in one part of the market. And we need to maybe think about diversifying a little bit. So I think there's two parts there for a small business to medium sized business owners, you know, really look at uh, what the provider is giving you. And if you're not getting any questions answered and that's really not comprehensive, then look for an advisor, right? Reach out to an advisor, say, hey, do you offer this? Because there's plenty of them that would love to work with you and help you and be part of your employee's workplace and be there for them. So yeah, I, th I think you brought up a big point too, is the fact that if you have a person for specifically at the plan that you're going to, right. then they say, oh, my husband or wife also works, that they have a 401k plan. Right. Then you have to go, oh, okay, well, listen, and I see you do this. Do they Here's how you are planning currently. Right. How is that correlating to your husband's or spouse's yep. plan for your overall retirement at the end? Because you end could have to change something inside of it and go, here's why you're changing it. I need to meet with your, your, your spouse, et cetera. At the end of the day, we're here to help. We want to make sure people are in a better spot after we met with them. Uh, you know, it's not a perfect world, guys. You know, there's things happening. We try to adjust. We try to pivot. We give the best advice we can. Uh, but we're here and we're, we're willing to uh, answer these questions. So please keep sending them in. I love the fact that people are uh, participating and our viewership is going through the roof. I think we're up over almost 200 viewers, which is great. Uh, our subscribers, please like, share, subscribe, talk to your friends about it. Uh, you can find us uh, at theesleygroup.com, yourtimeyourmoney.net, 844-444-YTYM. Uh, 43 British American Boulevard, Latham, New York, 12110. First floor, come find me. We're doing a barbecue today. Obviously, you're not going to see this for a week, but I'm going to go get some barbecue. Your time, your money. I'll see you at the next episode.
Adam Jones, Matthew Trillo, Mark Esley, Financial Advisors, 43 British American Boulevard, First Floor, Latham, New York, 12110, 518-724-5004. Cetera Investors is a marketing name of Cetera Investment Services. Securities and insurance products are offered through Cetera Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Cetera Investment Advisors, LLC. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Today's community spotlight, Cullman Insurance Agency. Agency, LLC, 16C North Greenbush Road, Troy, New York, 12180. Phone number 518-326-1191. Special thanks, Chris Conlin, owner and craftsman of Skulls and Sawdust. 518-852-3673, skullsandsawdust at gmail.com. Special thanks to Bobby Chase and Jeff Carlson of Next Evolution Media. 518-879-1779, bobbychase84 at gmail.com. And last but not least, a very special thanks to our families for sacrificing many hours to let us see the vision through its reality. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not tailored towards any particular individual investment objectives or financial situation. This is not intended to be an offer or solicitation to purchase any security or insurance product. Cetera representatives do not provide legal, tax, or estate planning services. Should you require such service, you can consult a legal, tax, or estate planning professional. A diversified portfolio does not assure a profit or protect against loss in a declining market. Rebalancing may be a taxable event. Before you take any specific actions, be sure to consult with your tax advisor. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily the views and opinions of Cetera Investment Services. Any recommendations mentioned in this episode are meant for educational purposes only and should not be construed as advice or personal recommendations. Always consult your financial advisor, tax advisor, and attorney for details related to your specific goals and objectives. Investments have risk and can lose value. They are not FDIC insured. The situations presented are hypothetical to illustrate key topics and should not be construed as actual client situations or experiences. The Esley Group operates under Cetera Investors and is responsible for the production of this show. All views and opinions are solely that of the Esley Group. You should always obtain a perspective when available prior to investing to know your risks, costs, and fees associated with the investments. Cetera Investors is a marketing name of Cetera Investment Services. Securities and insurance is offered through Cetera Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cetera Investment Advisor, LLC. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other entity named. 43 British American Boulevard, first floor, Latham, New York, 12110. Phone number 518-724-5004. Individuals affiliated with this broker-dealer firm are either registered representatives who offer only brokerage services or receive transaction-compensated commissions, investment advisor representatives who offer only investment advisory services and receive fee-based on assets, or both registered representatives and investment advisor representatives who can offer both types of services.